Do you need a landscaping job tackled? Keen Landscaping is a family-owned and operated full-service landscaping company based in Dallas, Texas. Anything from property restoration and tree pruning or removal to landscape design, construction, and installation, Keen covers it all. They're also the official landscape company of the Dallas Stars. Learn more at KeenLandscaping.com. Again, that's K-E-A-N-E Landscaping.com. Welcome to Parker's MMA Show. If you want to learn about all things going down in the fight world, you've come to the right place. Each episode, your host, Parker Keen, will take a deeper dive into the always entertaining world of sanctioned fist fighting. Now here's your host, Parker Keen. Parker's MMA Show, episode 57. Um, we're going to recap the last couple cards. Um, the UFC had the Anthony Smith card that Anthony Smith headlined, and then we're going to break down the Mike Tyson uh, comeback fight against Roy Jones Jr. We're going to preview this weekend's card, and we're going to hit some current events, and then we got an interview right after that. So busy night here on the show, like always. Like, subscribe, share, do all that good stuff, and we'll keep the content rolling. So, Billy, without further ado, let's jump into it. So um, Anthony Smith was back in action, taking on um, up-and-comer Devin Clark at, at the light heavyweight division. Um, what did you make of the fight? I mean, to me, this is one of those classic there's levels to this matchups, right? Like Anthony Smith, I thought dominated Devin Clark, the, the entirety of this fight, uh, always in control. And it basically solidifies that despite the fact that he's lost a couple in a row here, he's still a top 15 light heavyweight in the world. And he can finish any of these up and comers who want to challenge his spot in that top 15. What did you think? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Um, I, I thought it was exactly what he needed to get back on track in that division right now. Um, obviously, he's coming off a couple disappointing losses after that title shot with John Jones. And um, with that win, I think he's right back in the mix at the top 10 and kind of shows that he still has a lot more to give. And um, I feel similar to how I felt about the upcoming Tony, Tony Ferguson fight. This is a little bit of a crossroads fight for him. And he came in and made it happen in the first round, got a quick win. And I would expect to see him, you know, relatively soon back in action. So uh, great win for Anthony Smith. So uh, for Devin Clark, he was coming off a big win against um, Alonzo Minningfield and looked just totally overwhelmed uh, by Anthony Smith. Where do you think he goes from here? I'd like to see him matched up with somebody like like an OSP or a Paul Craig. I think there's this kind of nice, I like I hate to call it like a middle class, but like this nice crop of fighters just right outside the top 15 who aren't quite prospects, who are yeah. more so, you know, guys who have had a couple UFC fights or an OSP's case, you know, like who's a veteran, but who's kind of outside that top 15 range. I just think there's a nice crop of fighters there. I think there's a lot of good matchups you could use as fillers for a lot of these kind of pandemic cards, you know, in that division. Yeah, I like to see him go up against our guy. Uh, I'm going to struggle with this one. Magomed and Kalaev, the guy that just destroyed our boy, Ian Kutalaba. Um, I like that matchup. I think that's a fun banger. Obviously, Devin Clark's going to be, you know, upset that he didn't get to showcase you know his full potential in that anthony smith fight um because anthony smith was able to control the fight and get a quick finish so that's that was the one i had uh for anthony smith where do you want to see him go for here from here 
I kind of like the Anthony Smith against Johnny Walker matchup. Um, you know, both those guys kind of fell on hard times and and had a losing streak. They're both, but they're both coming off a win, and I just think that's a fun striking matchup. I think, like, definitely the hardcore MMA fans are going to be interested in that. So. That's kind of where I would put Anthony Smith right now. What did you think? I like matching him up with uh, Tiago Santos, but I, did Tiago Santos already book a fight? Turn around and book a fight again? Yep, he's booked. Fuck. Well, that was the one I had in mind. I think stylistically that's an awesome fight. So if that's off the table, I'll roll with Johnny Walker. That's going to be weirdness, um, like every Johnny Walker fight. But, um, yeah, just a good win for Anthony Smith to get back, you know, to solidify himself back in that top ten. Um any other fights of note from that card? You know, hey, a, a guy who <laughs> who I little cameo appearance there. Yeah. Um little brother. A, a guy who I had kind of my eye on, Miguel Baeza, submitted Takashi Sato uh on this card. I believe it was the co main event. Uh Baeza's now ten and zero overall, three and zero in the UFC. I mean, one seventy is absolutely stacked, but I think that's definitely a guy to watch. I mean, that's that's a high-level win, a high-level finish for Baeza. Yeah, I think he was one of the guys that I said to keep an eye on on that card. But, um, yeah, another young guy coming off the Contender Series. Um, like I said, good on the mic, can fight his ass off. And, yeah, he's just another one of these young guys that's on the rise at 170. So I would definitely keep an eye out for him. Um, all right, let's move on to the next card. We had um, Marvin Vittori in my opinion, kind of beat the brakes off of Jack Hermanson and wins a lopsided decision. Um, what did you make of that fight? Yeah, I mean, this was an exciting high-level fight. Um, you know, it was two guys. It was it was competitive to me. Like, yeah. I didn't think Hermanson was out of it necessarily. But I agree with you. I mean, it was a dominant win for Vittori on the scorecard, certainly. I, I think what I was really impressed with is Vittori's physical strength. Um, you know, it seemed like in the wrestling exchanges, he was able to definitely get the better of Hermanson. Um, and I, I just, the thing that I kind of take away from it is when you look back on his fight with Israel Adesanya, which was kind of thought of as unimpressive from Izzy at the time. Now we look at it a little differently, right? Where Vittoria is taking down a high level grappler and Jack Hermanson. You know, he's able to kind of hold him down and do damage. And he was not able to do that to Israel, who now looks to be a dominant champion at middleweight. So I, I think it it's interesting the trajectory that Marvin Vittori has taken. But I was super impressed with him in this fight. What did you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, he was kind of a guy I had my eye on, you know, after he fought Israel. Because he in that run that Israel put together and all those guys that he beat, um, Marvin Vittori was his hardest fight. You know, I I think he pushed him to the brink, and I, I don't. Did he win a couple of rounds off Israel? In that I don't fight? think he won any rounds, but it was close. he it was close. It was yeah. competitive. It was a super competitive fight. So I I don't know. He's another guy that you know. I just think he's improved so much the last couple of years, and his ceiling is really high in the middleweight division. And I, you know, I think it's only big fights from from here. I think he solidifies himself as a top five middleweight in the world right now, and you know, I expect him. We'll, we'll we'll talk about who I expect him to draw, but he's going to get a big fight in this next you know next matchup. And to me, he's probably one t- one fight away from getting that rematch with Israel. Um, so for Jack Hermanson, where do you think he goes from here? 
I'd like to see him fight Kevin Holland. I mean, I know Kevin is scheduled to fight uh, Jacare on the upcoming card. Um, but, I, I, I mean, I'd like to see him fight the winner of that fight. Would also like to see him fight the winner of Uriah Hall against Chris Weidman. I mean, there's fights there for Jack Hermanson, right? Like, he definitely has a path kind of back to that top five status at middleweight. Um, but, I, you know, I would like to see him in, in kind of a, a matchup like that uh, with, a, with a striker. Yeah, um, I I like that. I don't see that as being outside of the realm of possibility. You know, Kevin Holland might fight next month for all we know. The dude's got five fights this year already. But um, I, I like the Derek Brunson fight. You know, I think that's stylistically a fun matchup. Makes sense. The guys are going to be ranked probably, you know, seven and eight in the division right now. Uh, Brunson's coming off that really impressive uh, win against Edmund Shabazian. So um, that's a fight that makes sense to me right now. It's two guys kind of, you know, at the same spot in that division. The winner bumps back up towards the top five. Um, for Marvin Vittori, this is obviously probably the biggest win of his career. Um, where do you think he goes next from here? I mean, he should be asking for a top five guy. I mean, no, no doubt in my mind that he deserves a top five guy. I would watch him fight Darren Till. I'd watch him fight Jared Cannonier. I'd watch him fight Paulo Costa. I think you could headline a fight night with that. I think you could open a pay-per-view with that. Uh, I, I, I think he has a clear path to the title. I think exactly what you said. He's one or two fights max from that rematch with Israel from a title shot. And um, I think he could get a top five matchup next. And there's plenty of options for him. Yeah, I think Till's out with an injury. Um, he had a knee injury, I believe. And then... I really like the Paulo Costa fight. I think the buildup for that would be really, really fun. Both guys talk a lot of shit. It would be, you know, an awesome buildup. And then the stylistic matchup is awesome. I think those guys will just go in there and absolutely bang. Um, I, I don't know where they ranked Vittori in the top five, but he's got to be, you know, I, I think he probably took Hermanson's spot, and I think Hermanson was five. So he's got to be right there. Um, so that makes sense. But I, I agree. I think if this guy can pick up one more win against one of those guys – He's fighting, you know, Israel Adesanya for a title sometime in 2021. Um, so very impressive performance from Marvin Vittori. And um, he stepped in what, on two weeks notice to take that? Three weeks notice? Yeah. I yeah. mean, very very impressive all around. I mean, he he beat Hermanson at his own game, in my opinion. Um, did, did you which see is the, probably the most impressive part Did you see the meme with, uh, with him side by side with one of those Bob punching bags? That was pretty awesome. I'm going to have to send that to you. Spot on. Whoever did that, kudos to you. Um, all right, Billy, any other fights off this card you want to cover? Uh, Jamal Hill a absolutely demolished OSP. I mean, the guy's 7-0 and overall. He's 2-0 and in the UFC with two knockouts. He's terrifying at 205. I mean, that division needed an injection of youth, and this guy looks to be the guy to deliver it. I mean, he looks incredible. No, absolutely. That that was the one I had. Um, I can't wait to see that guy fight again. Um, you know, OSP's been a guy that's hung around the top of this division for years now. You know, gave John Jones all he could handle when they fought. You know, three four years ago. Uh, very impressive win. The dude looks super scary, but yeah, he just put a beating on OSP. Um, all right, so that's it for our UFC recaps. Um, let's move on and. Listen to Billy apologize to Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. for shitting all over their parade, which ended up being awesome. Uh, so the Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. fight. Mike Tyson 
been in retirement for 20 plus years, gets absolutely shredded, puts on this awesome event. Billy, what'd you think of it? I loved it, man. I, I bought know, it. I know you I, would. I loved it. Because you're sick in the head like uh, me. I know you would love it. Uh, uh, you know what? I was super critical early. It was awesome. I mean, Tyson, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. looked incredible for being 50 plus years, years old. I think that's generous. Roy Jones Jr. looked okay. He looked good in spots. Mike Tyson looked fucking oh. solid. If, if they Mike Tyson, the rib roasters from Mike Tyson were incredible. Yeah. So I'll uh, I'll wait for you to officially apologize for saying all he had was an uppercut. Come on, Billy. Come on. Well, they didn't. I don't think they followed the rules, and so I'm very happy about that. I, it still felt like Mike Tyson was going about seventy percent. It really did. Yeah. I don't like this kind of cross. I'll watch, I'll watch him versus Holyfield. And look, here's the thing, too. The event was a lot of fun, right? Yeah, from, like, from start to finish. Nate Robinson against yeah. Jake Paul was hilarious. If you don't think that's hilarious, like, I, like you hate fun, in my opinion. Poor Nate Robinson. Poor bastard just got fucking starched by a YouTube sensation. And now Jake Paul thinks he's the, the next fucking uh, Andre Ward. Like, relax, Jake Paul. Settle down. Like Badu Jack beating up the the that, like that was, room that boxer. Dude was su- that dude was super tough though. That Badu Jack fought. so tough. You could see Badu Jack was like at least a hundred times better at boxing than he was. But that dude hung in there, took some hard punches and took a beating, but you know made it all the way through. Um, yeah, and I let me say it. something else. Snoop Dogg for two fights in a one-off event is hilarious. Like putting Snoop Dogg on the contender series was a terrible idea. But if he's doing like Mike Tyson and Jake Paul versus Nate Robinson, absolutely hilarious. Like he's perfect for that sort of environment. He's not great for MMA prospects who are making like eight and eight who are like just trying to start their careers and Snoop is making fun of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, overall, I thought it was a success. And, you know, I think we're going to see it again. I was reading. I think did Snoop do some sort of partnership with Mike Tyson? They're going to do it again. So yeah, they're going to do like a celebrity fight league. Yeah, I'm down with that. I'll watch that. You can take my forty nine dollars every time. Uh, all right, so that leads me into my next question, Billy. Do you think a similar format like that would work in MMA to try to get some legends out of retirement or kind of back in action? So. I do, but in very limited matchups, right? Like you couldn't just throw anyone in there. So like I I thought about if you could somehow put together Anderson Silva versus GSP at any point in time, I think people would tune in and watch that. Or like Fedor against Brock Lesnar. I think at any point in time, people would watch that. Um, What's your rule set? What's your rule set? Because it would obviously have to be scaled back. Like, what are we doing? Heavier gloves and shin guards or, or what? I mean, I, I think you could do, like, I think you could do full MMA. Maybe you do headgear. I, I was kind of thinking about this. I think you do, like, 8-ounce or 10-ounce MMA gloves. You do shin guards, no headgear. And 
I don't know. Maybe it's more of like a glory style kickboxing. I don't. I, I think there's a lot of shit you could do with it, and I I totally agree. I mean, sign me up to watch Anderson Silva versus GSP, um, freak show fights. You bring that seven foot tall Japanese guy back to fight uh, Ronda Rousey or something. Let's get crazy, dude. Like, I would. I mean. The guy's like he's Brazilian, but the guy's name is Giant Silva, like from the dude from Pride, right? That's who yeah. you're talking about. No, I'm talking about the guy that went to war with, uh, not Dan Severin. Who's the one that wore the with the mustache? The one we broke down live. Takayama and Don Fry. Yes, there you go. That guy. Bring him Takiyama's back. Takayama's in the hospital. I mean, he's like apparently he's quadriplegic. Oh, even better. Bring him back. Come on. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I would totally, yeah, I really do. Um, I would totally sign up for that. Even if they did it like they do in hockey, like after the card, they bring like legends in to play like a pickup game. I would totally watch that for sure. So basically pro wrestling. Pretty much. Yeah. I could get behind it, but there's a lot of fun (laughs) matchups you can make. Chuck Liddell taking on like, I don't know who, I don't know. I'm in for it. But um, all right. So what was your favorite part of the broadcast? I just thought the presentation was awesome. Like it kind of felt like pride to me with the walkouts and the white ring and kind of the whole aesthetic. The other thing is like Israel Adesanya was great. I thought he was great on the broadcast. Um, I want to see Mauro, Mauro Ronaldo back in MMA too. I thought he was really good with Bellator. I think he's a lot better than the Goldie John McCarthy booth with Bellator. So the bipolar rock and roller, the bipolar rock and roller. I like that guy, dude. I like him in the UFC. He's one of my favorite commentators. He's freaking awesome. But I, I agree. I think Izzy did an incredible job at his first crack on the broadcast team. Um, all right. So overall, not better than Anik though. Anik's the best. No, not even close. Speaking of, we got to get Anik on the show soon. Um, all right, so overall, I, I thought that was awesome. You know, I, I would definitely pay to see Mike Tyson again against another legend. You know, Holyfield, Vander Holyfield. Anderson Vander Silva, Holyfield, make the fight. Brock Lesnar, let's go. Um, all right, let's move on. So I had some general questions for you, just kind of the overall state of MMA. And this could end up being kind of Billy's hardcore minute here because I feel like Billy's going to go hard in the paint. But uh, – all right, the UFC has now lost six straight main events due to COVID. Um, what do you think the issue is? I, it, I think it's obvious, right? I mean, you watch a UFC broadcast, and there is no acknowledgement that COVID even exists. Like, compared to other sports, I mean, it's like a state of denial in the UFC offices, right? And so it's like, I just think there's no protocols for fighters. Like, when they arrive in Vegas— the ones that even exist, I think, are not enforced. I think they've gotten just so let loose. These guys... What? It's just gotten so loose, you think? Yeah, I think these guys get there and they're kind of allowed to do whatever they want. And it doesn't matter what city you're in in the United States right now. Like, it's a COVID hotbed, Every, literally everywhere. So it's like you have fighters who are going to the mall, who are eating inside, who are in the casino. Like, no shit, you're losing fighters to COVID. Like, I just think the UFC needs to either basically admit, I guess, or accept that they're going to put on a mediocre product in order to meet their number of events, or they need to set up like a bubble with one of the hotels in Las Vegas 
and keep fighters in there the same way that Major League Baseball and the NFL have done. Well, and if you think about it, I mean, there's 700 fighters on the roster and probably 80% of them are living normal day-to-day lives. You know, 80% of them are not superstars. They're not John Jones. They're not, you know, high-level, you know, top attention people. They're they're living their day-to-day life. You know, some of these guys on the undercards are working normal day jobs, you know? So it's just like, and then you've got the training aspect of it. I mean, you have to train for this sport. It's not... I mean, it's not baseball. You can't have – or golf. You can't have just like one-on-one lessons. You've got to have guys in your camp that are going to mix it up and, you know, be there with you in the camp. And those guys all go back to their families at the end of the day. So it's just – it's hard. And I, I do feel like maybe they've gotten a little lax. And I, I kind of see it as maybe Dana White sees like, you know, hey, I already made the best of 2020. Like we did everything we could do to have an awesome 2020. And I think December may just be like – Fuck it. We got Connor fighting in January. Let's just roll out some cards. Um, maybe expose a couple of these contender series guys. And then, you know, 2021, we're back to big business with Connor and Dustin. So, um, yeah, it's been weird. My thought there is I basically think I agree with you. Yeah. I think they're rolling with it with these Vegas cards for however long they have to roll with it to fulfill the ESPN contract. And then. You know, when they get to Abu Dhabi in 2021, I think that's when you start to see the big names because the fact of the matter is, Fight Island worked. As funny as it might be, like it worked. Like the testing worked. Having them in that hotel worked. Like it legitimately worked for having some of the biggest MMA events that fans or no fans, like they put on some of the biggest MMA events we could have possibly had. Some of the biggest fights in 2020 happen on fight Island in Abu Dhabi. In the, and I just of, think that's in the, the peak of the pandemic, right? Like, you know, so that's, that's where they're going to do it now. Yeah. Vegas is, they're going to take what they can get. Abu Dhabi is, that's the spot when fights get booked for Abu Dhabi. That's when I get excited. Vegas. Yeah. I just assume they'll get canceled for COVID. <laughs> it's just going to be a shit show. Um, all right, so let's move on to the recent roster cut. So Dana White came out, I think, last week and said by the end of the year, they're looking to make around 60 to 80 cuts. Um, one that was shocking to me was Joel Romero ends up getting cut with three fights left on his roster or on his on his deal. Um, one of the best UFC middleweights, one of the best fighters we've had in the modern era. Um, so for Yoel, what do you think his legacy is in the UFC and where do you think he's going to end up? Yeah, I I mean, I think Yoel is one of the best fighters to never win a UFC title. I mean, I think he's, you know, maybe a step below like a Dan Henderson in terms of legacy for me. But he's right there with like Jacare and Gegard Mousasi and that whole kind of crowd of of middleweights that um, never quite got to the top of the UFC. But um, I think he's probably top 10 UFC middleweight of all time. I mean, he he had a lot of great wins. I mean, Luke Rockhold, Chris Weidman, um, you know, absolute wars with Robert Whitaker. Um, you Paulo know, Costa at, fight. Paulo Costa <laughs> fight yeah. of the year um, that he arguably won. I mean, the guy was just he's an amazing Tim Kennedy, uh, just an amazing fighter. Right. And I, I think he ranks up there with one of the best fighters UFC's ever had. And he's kind of like a Daniel Cormier if Cormier never got to the title. Um, just the guy who started late because of wrestling and, um, 
you know, we don't really know what it would have looked like if he got the MMA in his athletic prime. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, he's about to be 44 years old. I do think he has a small window left of putting on, you know, a couple more exciting fights. Uh, but I think you're going to see a lot more of this. You know, I think we're going to see Dana make the move to cut some of these older guys that, you know, cost a lot of money to fight. You know, your maybe Holly Holmes, your Shoguns, your Alistairs, your Dominic Cruz, you know, guys that have been around forever. And, you know, with another loss, they're putting themselves way outside of ever making a run for a title again. So, you know, I, I think the thought process is maybe let's start cleaning out some of this older generation and make way for the new generation, you know, the Sean O'Malley's, the Kevin Hollins, people like that, that, you know, you pay a third of to fight and they're getting a lot of eyes on them right now during the pandemic. So, um, yeah, it sucks, you know, to see some of our favorite fighters of the last generation go, but I, you know, I think the reality is it's just like, it's a business. They got to keep it rolling no matter what. And I don't think the UFC is in business to keep, 40 plus year old fighters fighting at the top level. Um, so if you're Scott Coker, I mean, I think his initial spot, you know, thought on this was like, we're not in the old guy business. We're not in the UFC scrap business, but you see, he just picked up rumble Johnson. And I think today he kind of made some comments, you know, going back on what he said about Yoel Romero and maybe Anderson Silva, but if you're Scott Coker, I think you'd jump on these guys, especially Yoel Romero, because he could be your champion, you know, in one or two fights in Bellator. He's that good. And you look at the roster at Bellator, it's relatively thin. Um, you know, you sign Yoel Romero tomorrow, he's your probably your most popular light heavyweight and middleweight, you know. So uh, I, I think Yoel will get picked up. I, I don't want to see him, you know, go to a freak show like, bare knuckle boxing i want to go i want to see him fight high level you know for a couple more years and make as much money as he can but um that that's kind of my where i'm at right now i think he's going to land in bellator you know and they're going to make some fun fights especially with signing rumble and i think there's a lot left on the table with yoel where he never went to 205 you know i i I think there's a lot it's very interesting to see him move up to 205 even at 44 years old i think he could still do a lot of damage in that division so um Billy, for you, who is someone you think will definitely get cut from the UFC? Clay Guida. Um, He's scheduled to fight Michael Johnson in February. I expect him to lose that fight and then get cut. Um, I mean, he's legendary. He's kind of this action fighter, right? But um, he's lost four or five. He's, He's nearly 40. And he's just in a division that requires you to be fast, right? And so... You know, if you're thinking about the guys who get cut, it's going to be these guys who are UFC veterans who have had a lot of fights. And Clay Guida, to me, is is a guy who just isn't UFC level anymore. Yeah, I agree. Um, mine was a guy like Overeem, you know, a guy that's been around forever, never won the UFC belt, but commands a lot of money. If you make what, if you look at what over over he makes for the fight night cards, he headlines. I mean, he's been head, headlining fights pretty much ever since he got in the UFC. I think he makes like 800,000 plus per fight, which is sometimes double or triple what his opponent's making. So, you know, if he loses a fight, I could see the UFC cutting him if he doesn't retire just because he's, he was the one off the top of my head that just commands so much money because of his name and he's been around forever and what he's done in the sport. Um, for you, who is someone 
that you think won't end up getting cut, but is kind of on their last legs in the organization and the sport? Cowboy Cerrone. Yeah. Um, I think Dana's kind of talked about having to have a hard conversation with him. Um, you know, he's obviously, he's a hall of famer, right? I think no question. He's a hall of fame fighter. And, you know, it's someone who I think Dana will end up giving him one more fight. Um, but I just think it's kind of the end of the line for Cowboy where you're just it's a very diminished version of what he was as a fighter. And the UFC is terrible at making old guy fights. You know, they're going to feed you to the Kevin Hollins, to the the guy, the Marvin Vittori's, the guys, the Kazmats that are just going to fucking eat you alive. Um, for me, Cowboy was one of mine. Um, Diego Sanchez, I don't need to see him fight anymore. I don't need the weird yoga stuff anymore. Um, that's a guy that for me has done everything he can do in the sport and I don't need to see it anymore. Um, other guys like Frankie Edgar to me, I kind of feel the same about, I just think it goes South from here, even though we, you know, coming off a win though. Yeah, but I mean, where what's where do you go? Like, do you think he's getting a title shot at one thirty five or one forty five again? I I don't. I really don't. I I mean, he's. I think he's a win or two away from a title shot at one thirty five. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I just don't see it. But um, all right. Who do you think? Um, who do you think is someone that you would personally like to? see get cut or move on from the ufc but we think we'll survive this round of cuts i mean we've talked about it before but mike perry i i've seen all i need to see he's a problem outside the cage um you know i i I just i don't think he's a great fighter and i think there's a lot of these regional level or dana white contender series guys who could do exactly what mike perry does and so i just don't i don't see any reason to kind of keep him around at this point yeah, who do you think's going to be another one of these, you know, like Yoel? I bet Yoel was probably a hard cut for Dana, but who's another one that you think is going to end up getting cut and that we're all going to be sad to see go? Uh, I think Overeem is a good a good call. Um Like I could see like a Woodley getting cut. Yeah. Um I could see, you know, maybe even a guy like Jose Aldo. We'll see what happens this weekend. I could honestly see Tony Ferguson getting cut. If Tony Ferguson loses this weekend, I I could see the UFC parting ways with him. He's become more and more difficult to make deals with and get booked in fights, you know, because I think he just commands so much money or more money than Dana thinks he's worth. So um, that's another guy that if it doesn't go his way this weekend and he's not, you know, right back in a title fight, I, I could see it not working out and him ending up in another organization, you know, because I think he does have a couple good years left. But um, that was a, another guy that came to my mind. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens the rest of the year. Obviously, like we said, we're gearing up for a huge 2021. Um, so we'll kind of see where it goes from here. Let's move on, Billy. We got big, big uh, fights this weekend. We got UFC 256 coming on Saturday. So let's start with the co-main event. In the co-main event, we've got our guy, Tony Ferguson, uh, back in action after taking just an absolute beating from Justin Gaethje a couple months ago, um, taking on your dark horse of the of the division, Charles Oliveira. Um, what are your kind of initial thoughts on this fight? 
I mean, to me, on paper, this is a fight of the year contender, right? These are two guys who are among the most exciting fighters in the entire sport. Um, it's extremely high level. Um, in some senses, it's a passing of the guard with Tony, a guy who may or may not be on the downswing of his career. Charles Oliveira is kind of this ascendant talent. Um, uh, you know, extremely high level grappling, very flowy, uh, striking. Um, and just two guys who love the violence of the game, love the just bloodying up their opponents. Um, I, I just, it's one of those fights that we talk about where it's like, there is no way that this sucks. Yeah. Stylistically, this is an awesome matchup. Um, these guys actually remind me a lot of each other, you know, just the way they fight, how loose they Which are. Which is crazy and, because yeah. their styles are so yeah. unique. Yeah. They're, that's, I think that's the thing. It's just like, these are two of the most unique like highest level fighters on the roster and this matchup is awesome I mean, when you look at the top 10 this is like a dream matchup for you know hardcore fight fight fans like us but um you look at these guys tony ferguson you know went on the best run we've ever seen in lightweight division 12 straight wins over eight years you've got charles Oliveira, who's tied with cowboy for the most finishes of all time at 16 which is sneaky like crazy but that just shows you this dude's been around at 145 and 155 for years just finishing people he leads the ufc in most submissions all time and has the most performance bonuses in ufc history so this is a dude that basically comes out to knock you out or choke you out and those are pretty much his two ways to win so um i don't know that this match is so interesting there's just so many ways this fight could go you know i think tony's going to come out and try to push a pace Charles Oliveira has kind of a slower pace, but does a lot of unorthodox, weird stuff. Um, this is going to be awesome. I'm super excited for this fight. But that's your three-round co-main event. So, um, Billy, in your mind, is this your number one contender fight? I think it's as close as we get with kind of the uncertainty of 155. I think it's pretty clear Habib is retired, but Dana doesn't want to acknowledge that Habib is retired, I guess. So... Um, I think McGregor Poirier is going to be for the vacant title. And I think this is a number one contender fight. That's my prediction. Yeah, I do too. Um, I think you got it. We got to know soon, you know, obviously before January 23rd, we're going to know if Khabib's out or is he still hanging around? Um, in my mind, if Tony wins, this is 100% a number one contender fight. Um, Tony versus either McGregor or Dustin, you know, or Khabib is a giant fight, you know, in the UFC. Um, for Charles, you know, I think he may still be one fight away because I just I just don't see, especially if McGregor gets that belt somehow, I just don't see him taking a fight against Charles Oliveira. I just don't. Um, I think he's going to have to fight a guy like Justin Gaethje or Michael Chandler. And if he gets another win there, you know, I think he makes himself undeniable. But um, let's talk a little bit about Tony. So Tony's now 36 years old. Um lost his last fight you know like i said the first loss in 13 fights um in a fight that he got pretty much battered you know he dropped justin early and then justin took over in the second round and never looked back really and got a late fifth round finish um for tony a guy's really never been finished and never really taken a beating like that what kind of tony ferguson do you think we're going to see in this fight i i i'm a huge tony ferguson fan um, you know, I think he's one of the hardcore kings of the sport. He's probably the most unique style we've ever seen out of a top five fighter. 
at the end of the day, uh, you know, I just think he's taken a lot of damage over his career. I mean, he's been kind of flash knockout every single fight that he goes out there, right? And I, I just think he's kind of on the downswing of his career. I think, to me, he looked a step slow against Justin. Um, I think a younger Tony Ferguson's kind of able to defend against that much better. And I, I'm kind of, you know, I'm interested to see. I mean, Dobronx, Charles Oliveira is a, is a young lion. I mean, he's kind of in the prime of his, of this sport now um, after being kind of a prodigy earlier in his career. And I, I'm just, I'm, I would be very concerned if I was a Tony Ferguson fan about um, if this is kind of the, the moment where he realized like he's kind of on the downswing. Yeah. Like I said earlier, I think this is a huge crossroads fight. Um, he's never taken a beating like he took against Justin Gaethje. I mean, that was 24 minutes of just taking hard shot after hard shot. And if it was anyone else, I would say 100%, you know, I, I don't think you can recover from a fight like that and, you know, get back to where you once were. But Tony, Tony's just a different animal, dude. He's like probably the most mentally tough and physically tough fighter we've ever seen in 155. He's just like, he's an ultimate savage. I mean, you remember a couple of years ago, he had that horrible knee injury that he recovered from in like four months and was back in the cage. Um, he's just so unorthodox. His mental game is on just a, different level and i think he's going to be super motivated coming off that loss um so i could see it going either way you know i could see it as you know like you're saying maybe it is the, the time for tony ferguson to start declining or i wouldn't be shocked to see a totally reinvigorated tony ferguson that comes out there and puts on one of the best fights of his career he's just such a weird dude and you don't know what you're going to get and that's what is so you know that's why people love him so i'm i'm super interested to watch this fight it's going to be awesome um for de bronx last time out he had he had a good fight against kevin lee who you know a lot of people are very high on kevin lee a lot of people refer to him as kind of the uncrowned champ at 155 but he was able to submit him um what do you expect from him in his matchup against tony i think we're going to see the best charles Oliveira we've ever seen um I think he's the most underrated fighter in this division. I've said that a long time. Uh, I think he was a prodigy in MMA, a guy who started extremely early. I mean, he was in the UFC as a teenager. Um, and I, I just think he's finally figured out the full MMA game. I think he has all the striking. I think he has the grappling. I think he knows how to finish fights. I think he has great fight IQ, great instincts. Um and he just looks better and better every single fight. And I, I think he's going to push for a title in the best division in all of MMA. All right. It's time for a prediction, Billy. What do you got? I'm going to take Charles Oliveira by decision. Yeah. I, I don't think there's a man alive who could finish Tony Ferguson inside three rounds. Um, I think Tony's just too tough. But I, I think Charles Oliveira is going to get the better of Tony Ferguson here. Yeah, I see this being a back-and-forth fight. I see it being very, very close. Um, but I'm going to give it a slight edge to Tony. I think you're going to see a little bit of a rebirth of Tony Ferguson. And I'm going to take Tony by decision. Um, but like I said, this is a very, very close fight. This is almost a pick em fight. Um, but awesome matchup. One of the – I don't know. This is one of the most excited I've been for a fight and a matchup in 155. That says a lot because there's a lot of crazy fights that have happened this year, 155. But um, I'm going to roll with Tony. So 
let's move on. Our guy, uh, the God of War, Davidson Figueredo. I'm just going to call him Figgy because I butcher his last name every time. Back in action against Brandon Marino. Uh, Billy, what are your thoughts on this fight? For me, these are the two best flyweights in the UFC. Um, I think this is a true one versus two matchup. I think they're both very well-balanced guys. I think they're both tough, durable fighters. Uh, Moreno probably has a slight edge on the ground. I think Figueredo has a slight edge on the feet. Uh, I think this is a super even fight, and I'm very excited for it. I agree. I, I've said this before, and I said this after Figueredo's last fight. Um, I think he's the most dangerous flyweight we've ever seen. This dude just comes in there with ill intentions. He's looking to KO you, looking to finish you, looking to kill you. And I, I think it's going to take a lot to beat this guy right now. Um, this will be his fourth title fight of the year, which if he can get this done, I think in my mind he's your fighter of the year, even at the flyweight division. But on the other hand, Moreno is super game, super durable. He's got that Mexican fighting style. He's going to come forward. He's going to push the pace. Uh, this is going to be an awesome fight. This is going to be an awesome flyweight fight. So I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to this. Um, for Moreno, he's been on a terror since his uh, draw against Askarov, um, now winning three straight in a row. What do you expect from, from him in this fight? Uh, I, I think he's really game. I, I think he's a tough, tough opponent. I mean, for me, this fight basically comes down to takedown defense, right? I think Moreno's going to try and take Figgy down. I think if he can get him to the ground, he can do real damage in this fight and he can control Figueredo and win rounds. But I think if Figueredo can defend takedowns, keep it standing, or you know get kind of crafty in his guard, um, you know he can do real damage in this fight. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, for Figgy, he's now has three uh, title three title wins in a row with three finishes. Um, what do you expect from him here against Moreno? Yeah, I think for me, the wrestling is Moreno's strength, and it's probably Figueredo's weakness. I think he gets a little too content to play guard when he gets taken down, and I have a lot of questions about whether or not he can finish Moreno from guard. I think Moreno's shown he's pretty good at you know at least controlling his opponent, landing strikes from there. So I hope that, you know, for me, Figgy should keep this fight standing. I think he could potentially knock Moreno out, you know, just with his power on the feet. Um, but that's what he should be looking to do is defend the takedown, work in the clinch to land elbows, and then keep the fight st standing to use his boxing. I agree. I, I just think this dude's something special. Um, I kind of get that feeling, you know, like when I watch McGregor or I watch Sugar Sean on his rise up, you know, it's just like there's something special about him. And he just seems so confident right now and has so much momentum behind him. I just don't see him losing here. Um, so I'm going to roll with my prediction. I think – I think round one, round two are going to be wild. It's going to be back and forth. Um, but I think Figgy's going to be too much. I think he's going to overwhelm Moreno, and he's going to get a third-round knockout. And I think it's undeniable. If he can get a knockout here, he's your fighter of the year. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised with a Figueredo knockout. I'm going to take him by decision. Um, I, I think Moreno's going to take rounds off the champ. I think he's, there's going to be some... You know, not the most exciting rounds of Moreno taking Figueredo down and landing punches in the guard, but I think ultimately Figgy's going to pull out a close one. Okay, cool. Um, all right, any other fights outside of the main and the co-main event that we need to look out for? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I'll say this is 
the best UFC card in months. I mean, yeah, this is for sure. This is a real deal depth card with a lot of great fights on it. Yeah. Um, personally, I love Junior Dos Santos taking on Cyril Gane. Uh, I think it's a complete crossroads fight. It's you know a a former champion, a veteran taking on a pro, kind of a prospect at heavyweight. Um, Gane trains with Francis Ngannou. I mean, he's a you know, much hyped heavyweight prospect, and I'm very excited to see this one. All right, I got uh, our guy Kevin Holland back in action. Another guy, and you know, if he gets a win here, that will be in talks for Fighter of the Year. He just doesn't have the titles, obviously. Uh, but Kevin Holland going for his fifth win of the year, taking on Jacare Souza. Um, this is this is going to be probably the most challenging matchup of his career. Obviously, Jacare is a vet. An absolute wizard on the ground, former Strike Force champion, one of the greatest middleweights of modern era. Um, he was, you know, sent back from the light heavyweight division when he couldn't get it done against uh, our guy Polish Power. Um, big, big test here for Kevin Holland. But if he can pass this test, the the sky's the limit for this dude. We're gonna see him with you know top ten fights in the beginning of of 2021 at middleweight. So. Uh, really looking forward to that fight. Kevin Holland's a super fun dude to watch, and just I want to see what happens. If the fight goes to the ground, can he hang with Jacare or not? So um, I'm going to be looking out for that one. Billy, we are up against time, so let's um, let's go ahead and skip the current events. We'll get back into those, and then um, we've got an interview coming up with our guy. You're going to have to say this name, Billy. Sasha Palatnikov. There we go. Russian guy from Hong Kong. Should be pretty interesting to watch. He just put on a crazy war against um, Luis Cosi a couple weeks ago and had a really nice third-round knockout, and we're super excited to get him on this show. All right, well, that is episode 57. Me and Billy signing off. Uh, we'll be back next week with the end-of-the-year show, which is uh, always a lot of fun. We're going to try to up it from last year. So Parker's MMA Show signing out. Everyone, uh, like always, like, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Billy, any closing words from you? No, very excited for this UFC pay-per-view this weekend. Yeah. Most excited I've been about a UFC event in quite a long time. So uh, very much so looking forward to that one. Looking forward to recapping uh, 2020 with you, Parker. Crazy and, uh, year. You know, uh, you know, look out for uh, more fighter interviews, more podcasts from us. It sure. should be an uh, exciting end of the year. All right, guys. We'll catch you next week. Texas Trees is the premier tree care company in the DFW area. Whether you need basic maintenance or specialized services, when it comes to trees, we've got you covered. Pruning, chipping, bracing, and cabling, even root barriers and disease control, we do it all. And if you aren't sure what you need, we have certified arborists on staff to point you in the right direction. Visit us at NorthTexasTrees.net. That's NorthTexasTrees.net. Thanks for listening to Parker's MMA Show. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and visit ParkerKeensMMAShow.Podbean.com for additional information on Parker and to stay up to date on the latest drama in the fight world. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out the show notes.